Danny, hi, how are you doing? Hi, good morning, Richmond. Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Good, good. So I guess you're on you're on holiday still. Easter holidays, yeah. We've got another week. I think we finished slightly earlier than some schools. So um, so they're on their first week. This is actually my second week off. So um, so yeah. Okay. And and are you having to recharge? Because let's face it, it's been you know a very strange and tough year and a bit now, I suppose. Yes. Um, yeah, this week I plan on doing my recharging. Um, I moved house last week. So as most people know, that's quite stressful. Um, so I'm definitely planning on using this week to sort of, you know, do very little. Um, got a little bit of work to do, however. But yeah, apart from that, just trying to relax, get yeah. some nice walks in and what have you. But yeah, definitely need, need this time to recharge. I think the couple of weeks prior to breaking up for Easter was pretty full on, I think, for pretty much all teachers. Um, so I think I'm probably speaking on behalf of all teaching people that we are sp certainly spending some time putting our feet up and relaxing, hopefully over this time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did things sort of unfold for you as a as a teacher over the last year? Oh, crikey. Um, well, I guess obviously it's, it's been a year, hasn't it now? So um, like everybody else, obviously, you know, schools were up in inverted brackets um closed um they certainly weren't closed they were still very much functioning behind the scenes um and you know we got ourselves through to easter i mean i i, I look back on the last year and i've spent probably like most of us most of my holidays actually working which you know obviously you do do some work over the holidays it's not just a sit down go away type thing it's you know you're still preparing still planning you know marking catching up on stuff um but Easter holidays for myself and my department were very much planning, well, how do we deliver online teaching? Because none of us have done it before. And being sports as well, how on earth do we do that? Um, so we spent most of our time over the Easter holidays planning. And then obviously the summer term hit. And we spent the whole summer term delivering three different sports to our students um, online, um, which I'd like to say we did quite successfully. Um, you know, the department were really happy. I think the students and the parents were happy. Um, and then when it got to the summer, again, didn't really have any time off because you're still thinking about how what's going to happen in September. So I think everything's been very much, you know, whilst we all work day to day and you can plan for things, you've had to take it literally moment by moment because you just didn't know what's going to happen. And obviously, you know, come late October, we went into another, what I'll call mini lockdown. Um, although we were still in school and then obviously you're planning for January thinking right are we going to do fixtures in the spring term because we didn't do anything in the autumn term and suddenly again you're thrown into another lockdown um, and all your plans are out the window so you're constantly having to go back to the drawing board and thinking about what are we going to deliver now um, so it's very much been sort of you know sort of guesswork to a degree but also you know trying to deliver a really positive program to the students who you know are stuck at home so yeah it's been been interesting yeah because because not only is it important because that's you know it's part of school life to be to be active and to play games and sports and, and PE but there's also this this added huge element that you know everyone's at home um, and and how that affects your health um, you know looking at it from the wider wider perspective so the importance of keeping kids active at home yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I've, I've been a bit of a Twitter fan, I guess, quite a bit over this pandemic and, um, you know, different conversations going on from different sort of backgrounds of 
teaching um, and, you know, physical education, how it, you know, I know lots of schools have actually gone back to the drawing board literally and said, okay, what, you know, we're looking more at fundamental movement, you know, obviously play being fun. You know, I, I, I refer to, um, cause we, we went back to school obviously for three weeks prior to Easter. And I commented to a colleague that we were just doing fun games, you know, because mm. we just wanted the girls back in school and just having a great time. He's like, what, don't you normally do that then? Don't you normally have fun games? And I just thought, <laughs> actually, yeah, well, I'm saying that because sport is, you know, my ethos is very much sport is about enjoyment or physical activity is about enjoyment. I do sport or physical activity because I enjoy it as much as it's for the health benefits. You know, I want to enjoy it. And you know, I guess so. What you were just saying there, like the physical activity, and if you're stuck at home, you are, as we all know, quite isolated. So, how do students or children, or even you know, just us adults, enjoy doing these things? You know, I quite enjoy going for a run, so I'm, you know, I can do that myself. I'm quite self motivated to go and do that. But for people that don't have that mindset of enjoying running, how do you? Excuse me. How do you do something at home that is fun mm. and active, and for a length of period that's going to be beneficial to you? So. You know, I think when we were planning for activities, um, I mean, we actually looked at for this last lockdown, we started doing lots of yoga <clears throat> and fitness aspects because we thought, right, think about the space that the students have got at home. Obviously, everyone's got different backgrounds. Um, and, you know, I think what, when, when we were seeing students online, I'd like to think that they were enjoying it where they could yeah. um, and giving them the option to do things themselves rather than everything being directed at them like do this do that it was like okay can you give us some ideas so it's making them interact as well so it's yeah it's certainly been hard hasn't it and you know obviously lots of statistics coming out that students are you know far less active at the moment like in terms of how much time we're supposed to dedicate daily um you know young people have had far far less um so yeah it's, it's been quite an interesting time obviously I guess it also depends on the, the attitudes and behaviours of the parents as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, you know, I, th I was actually thinking about this yesterday um, in terms of where I got my sort of sportiness from. I think it has to have been my dad. I mean, neither my mum or my dad sort of were part of a, a sports team outside of, you know, our life. But my dad was, you know, he used to race minis when he was younger. So, you know, I, I sort of had this, I've got this love for motorsport. Um, and my dad, we're, we're, we're Spurs family. So, you know, dad was a big Spurs fan. Um, but I never actually ever saw him play football. I've seen him in his school photos and stuff. And so I just wondered, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, where did I get my sportiness from? Because I never actually physically saw my parents running or playing team sport. But my dad was an armchair, you know, fanatic and loved sport. And I think that might have been where I got my drive from. So I think about the students that we teach and where parents are physically active, obviously, that's their education because I'm a firm believer that you learn quite a lot at home you know it's, you know obviously coming into school reaffirms things and you learn you know obviously different things as well but you know your role models start with your parents from a very young age obviously um and you know if you haven't got that sort of background then obviously school is the best part for it and you know knowing that grassroots had to stop until the end of March was really disappointing probably for a lot of parents as well as you know us teachers and coaches because you knew that quite a lot of students wouldn't be doing anything at home um because they don't have the promotion of it at home some of them um you know it was nice to be able to go I, I live near Bushy Park and to go out and see some parents with their children kicking a football around or you know us, us I'd go out for a walk and I'd see some of my students run past their mums and dads and I was like it's brilliant you know 
really positive. Um, but obviously, it's not that very like that for, for everybody. So, yes, it's 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 quite quite hard work, I think, for some some kids when they don't have that behind them. Yeah, yeah. So that's the tricky bit, isn't it? That um, this situation has, you know. Has, there's been all great opportunities for some in a way in that you know they spend more time at home and, and if the family's generally more active they've been doing that but then the flip side is people who you know the home habits are very different to that you know even mm. less opportunity um whereas if they were in school you know they'd be following the you know the the daily routine and, and all the things that they would normally do and and even if they're not into sport per se they're still active walking around the grounds and in break time and, and that kind of that kind of thing so have you got sort of specific ways that you tried to motivate people who you thought yeah they're gonna they might they might struggle during this period um i mean i get i mean we had a certain amount of time sort of directed with the students online um i guess our motivation you know comes from us in terms of how we deliver things um you know I've, I've probably got a bit of a you know I, I like to think I've got a good sense of humor so I'll you know be be like that on my on the screen with the girls and I'll sort of you know be really positive and try and g them up um you know I know you start to know obviously like you said like who are the ones not, not who are difficult but the ones that maybe just don't have that passion for physical activity because it's not ingrained in them at home or you know, it's that sort of self-doubt of an individual, like, I'm not good enough, you know, I, I, I can't play with these, these children because they're better than me. So it's that self-doubt, it's that, that you know, intimidation to some degree. And that's not because other students are being intimidating, it's just that they're, you know, they're, they're slightly more capable. Mm. Um, so, you know, you are having to make sure that, not that I would ever do this, but where you're, you know, you've got your talented kids, yes, you've got a time and a place to promote them, but where you've got a mixed group, you've got to make sure it's fair to all and engaging them. So, you know, we've got this keyword in education, differentiation, you know, and it's just making sure that everything is, is, is accessible to all these students. Um, hence why when we did, you know, our last unit of work in lockdown, we did fitness and yoga because we knew that that was accessible for all of them and they could do it to their own ability. Yeah. You know, there would be some that was super flexible and could get their legs around their heads or there'd be some that couldn't, you know, straighten their leg in the first place. So, but it was private to them as well. And they could just do it at their own pace. Um, and I think that's what got them on board probably more so than other sports. You know, it, was, it would have been difficult to have done netball or lacrosse at home. And we did do lacrosse and netball for like club. So, you know, the girls who could do it could come to it and that was accessible for them. Um, I mean, it was open to anybody. So again, it wasn't sort of exclusive or anything. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the way you deliver things. I think that's really important to engage students. Um, that's certainly something I try and do anyway. Yeah. Now that engagement's important. And, and it's, you know, I'm at that stage in life where I can say things like back in my day. And, and you sort of look back to the, you know, the ways that things were done where, you know, the two best or two of the better um kids were the two captains and then they would there'd be a lineup and then they choose and it was always the same people left at the end and and when I work with people um you know we talk about being active and and things like that and uh, you know quite often people who are reluctant to be active you know it stems back to some some pretty negative experiences at school told they're lazy because they can't catch a ball and all, all that kind of thing I yeah. mean I'm assuming that things have changed quite a lot 
Um, but I would imagine that there's also still a little bit of that with some of the old, some old school attitudes that still exist. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm sure there are. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm quite lucky with my department. We're all, you know, really positive. Um, you know, we, we talk about this actually in department meetings, how we engage sort of like the, the less able, the less sort of, you know, less inclined to want to sort of be first in line with things. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I, I, as I said, walked through Bushy Park and I went for a walk a few months ago now and I saw a football team training and, that, you know, a, a coach that was yelling at one of the lads and I just thought, so negative, you know, and you sort of you just, you know, I was walking past, it could have been out of context, what have you, but in the way I interpreted it, I just thought, God, I wouldn't, I'd hate it if I was that lad, you know, that's, that was quite a negative comment. Um, and, you know, it, again, you, I wouldn't expect it. You know, I, I work in elite sport. I wouldn't do it at elite sport level either. So I'm sure it does happen at elite sport level in some places. But, you know, the environment I work in, I, we try to be very positive. You know, I think there's, you know, yes, sometimes you've got to be blunt about things and point out the bleeding obvious. But, you know, actually the way you deliver things to engage even adults, it's just as important as how you engage young people. So, um, yeah, I agree. I'm sure there's, you know, still is the connotations of negativity out of there, but I think, you know, certainly being positive and not just to be positive, positive sake, you know, there's ways of doing things and saying things where you can identify someone's not pulling their weight or not putting the effort in, but you swing it around to say how it can benefit you if you put in the effort. So I think there's, there's definitely ways of doing things, but yeah, I'm sure there are still some negative comments out there. <laughs> Well, yeah, absolutely, and and you know, there's a there's an army of of um, pseudo coaches, aren't there? Often parents involved at a club level who might have done level one badge or or just kind of volunteer and whatnot, um, or, or or just parents simply on the side of the pitch, um, you know, yelling and and screaming at the at the kids. Mm. So that that stuff definitely happens. That that must be difficult to to deal with when you're the coach. Yeah, um, it's actually it's quite often a question we throw out to sort of, you know, when we're interviewing staff, because like you say, it does happen. So how do you deal with that? Um, you know, and, and sometimes it might not even be your you know, parent from your your school. It could be a parent from another school, um, which actually is still having an impact on both teams. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, just the way you have to just deal with it. You can't you can't let it go because otherwise it's going to happen elsewhere. So, you know. I've, I've been in those, I've not had to do it personally, but I've been in those circumstances where I've seen it happen. And, you know, it, it is, it's an uncomfortable thing to do, to go and deal with a parent, um, but it has to be done. So you've got to go and nip it in the bud because otherwise it's just going to escalate or, you know, you're going to get complaints from either the umpires or other, other parents, other schools. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite often, it's obviously doing your reputation. And I mean, I'm thinking again, quite lucky where I work that I've got really supportive parents um but you know and, and it's it's not to take away from them their passion because that's why they're there and that's why they're sort of calling and saying things because they want their children to do well but yeah quite often it's just you just got to deal with it and, you, and it is uncomfortable but you have to go and deal with it or even if you're passing it on to the powers that be you know it's a case of there's got to be dealt with yeah so there's there's a number of skills required then to be a to be an encouraging PE teacher what what's you know, you said when you're you're interviewing, what what kinds of things are you looking for? Um, what kind of things we're looking for? I mean, 
that, yeah, obviously personality, the type of people, you know, that are going to really sort of be infectious in your department, you know, the positive side of things with, you know, wanting things to, you know, having great vision, I think is, is always really inspiring for me. Um, you know, somebody that you can, you can work with that, you know, is going to sort of buy into your ideas or have their own ideas that you can buy into as well. So um, I certainly think like that positive personality, um, sense of humor is always going to go down well with me as well. You know, as I said, hopefully I've got a fairly decent sense of humor. I'd like to think so anyway. <laughs> um, we'll ask people to make comments on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think just passion, passion for your sports and not just, you know, passion for your own sport. Like I am an absolute netballer. However, as a director of sport, I'm passionate about all sport. I'm passionate about, you know, my students all wanting to, to take part in an activity. And again, funny enough, I was having this conversation yesterday in terms of, you know, student physical activity and sport and, you know, it's like, what do you do if, if you've got children that don't like the sport? It's like, okay, you you, feed, you find out what, what other activities they want to do, you know, whether it's Zumba, golf, you know, sailing, all these different things that, you know, yes, they've got a bit of a price tag attached to them in some cases, but they are, you know, they're quite accessible activities as well, to be, obviously depending on your location. Um, and I think people that come with that sort of, you know, if they're just, if you can tell they're just one dimension of their own sport, I think that just, that's slightly makes not I guess it makes me wary because it's like I want you to have a vision for all sports yeah. um and you can have your you can have your sport and be you know you might have two or three sports that you're excellent at and that's great but the vision's got to be for all students for a variety of sports um and someone who's you know passionate about that I think is is really important for me yeah yeah now you know because the the relationships that PE teachers often have with the kids is really quite different to other members of staff. It's it's quite unique. There's more banter. There's there's more there's more kind of leeway, um, and 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 that that's kind of special because it seems that you know if if there's an an issue with crowd control in the school, often the PE teachers are brought in to, to manage that. The loud voices. <laughs> yeah, it's the, uh, yeah, the big, the big voices. Although I, my voice doesn't carry. I, I have to turn around to colleagues and say, can you please use your voice? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, uh, to be quite honest, actually, thinking about my department, we're, we're probably one of the strictest departments, I think, because I think it's, you know, I think there's that aspect of discipline, you know, because if you play team sports, you have rules and it's not to say that you don't have rules in school of course you do but in terms of the discipline like you know you're not going to get sent out of school if you haven't handed a piece of homework but if you you know do a nasty tackle or something in football or you know netball, you're off the court or off the pitch so you know there are certain discipline um, aspects which obviously I think you know just I think in terms of our department we are quite strict um so yeah it's I think when you say it's a bit more leeway well, I'm not sure about that <laughs> um but we you know yes it's, and I think also as I said earlier like sport school should be fun full stop but sport in itself and physical activity I do sport or activity because I enjoy it and if I go to my netball club and I play netball I'm seeing friends I'm having a laugh if you make a mistake you know you, you get on get over it and you move on you learn from it or what have you but that's what I think is the is the beauty of sport is if you've got you know if you're the right coach and the right person and you can also forgive mistakes which is 
what's you know sport allows you to make so many mistakes then you know students can get up and they learn from it they they you know they grow in confidence they grow in character um and you know I mean obviously if you're doing a maths lesson or an English lesson yes you can make you can make mistakes there's a very much straight yes or no isn't it it's a cross or a tick and in sport okay you might make a mistake but actually what what did you do well in that mistake that you could actually just this decision making or the skill that you're putting could that have actually evolved into being positive so it's slightly more you know I guess leeway with with, with that from sport um which I think gives students confidence but as, as we all know again it can knock people's confidence so um you know it's, it's an interesting conversation that I think you could take off in a completely different tangent if you really wanted to um but yeah I think I would like to think that it's you know you're outdoors you're having fun for most people but obviously as we say like there's still that element of for some students or some people it's not their thing yeah and it's how we make it you know how we sort of engage those people to say okay netball might not be your thing but what else might engage you so your approach is very much looking at the the individual so so person first and and seeing their or trying to find perhaps with them their strengths and, and potential and then guide them down that route mm. yeah definitely I mean you know I, uh... I think when you go off and do sort of coaching courses, you know, your levels and what have you, there's very much more of an athlete-centered approach in coaching. So, you know, again, as I said earlier, like making people, you know, giving people confidence to do things, you're you're trying to give the decision-making to them for them to go, you know, to go and try and do the skill, make the decision, make the mistake, learn from it, or be positive and <clears throat> be successful um and you know I think that's as a human race that's that's what we've got to be more capable of doing um because and as I'll always say to my students I can coach you I can't get on the court and go and do it for you you know so that you've got to learn this and if I'm totally you know um dictating to you what you need to do and showing you where to move and showing you how, how to throw a ball if you then go and put that into a game context I'm not there, you know, I can coach from the sideline, but I can't physically do it for you. So I think it's very much, you know, like the people, people first, athlete-centered approach, you know, it's, it's very much sort of, you know, making it more for them than it is about me. Mm. And that's certainly what I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you differentiate between being a, a coach and a PE teacher? Are they, are they different? Do they cross over? What, how does that fit? I do think they cross over. Um, I, I mean, certainly from a teaching perspective, I mean, when I'm at work, it's, it's you know, obviously it's very much you're in an education setting, you know, you're, you're, you're very much teacher, you know, Miss Mugridge, whoever else is there, it's, you know, it's very, it is very much teacher. Yeah, it's, it's an education environment, it's an institute. When I go off and coach, um, you know, I mean, I take the mickey out of myself at Surrey Storm because I'll turn up and there'll be occasions where I'm talking and there'll be a couple of his players talking, you'd be like, Hey, what did I just say? And they're like, oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. It's like, and it's like Miss Mugridge comes out. And it's like, oh, sorry, guys. I mean, again, you know, to take the mickey out of myself and they laugh and it's just a bit of fun. But yeah, I mean, the crossover in terms of coaching, again, it's, it, it, I think at the elite level in particular, or even if you're just, you know, working with grassroots, it is, it has to be very, you know, athlete, you know, athlete centered. And um, it's, you know, it's, I guess you could say it's a little bit more. I'm not going to say the word professional. I was thinking professional, but it's not. It's because obviously you've got your amateur sports as well. But it's it's just 
it's it's focused, isn't it? It's very much focused on that sport. I go I go to my football club because I want to play football at school. I want to deliver a holistic program where the students really enjoy it and they can choose and you know please and do what they want to do. Um, and obviously, where you've got your better better students, you can push them to you know your cup finals, your national schools competitions, or what have you. Um, but also participation. You know, you're you're having to look at making sure that if I've got 70 girls that want to play netball or lacrosse or football or whatever it is that I have got access for them to go and play for a team against another school. Um, So that's slightly different to when you're going off to do your coaching. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I mean, that you're in a girls school. Um, What what do you think? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very good girls school. I I know it. Yeah. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a particular sample of, of the population, let's say. Um, what would you say is the prevailing attitude towards being active? Um, I, I mean, I think our girls are quite positive about it. I think, I mean, as you say, the school's got a you know, very strong reputation for sport. Um, and, you know, I think, I mean, particularly, I mean, we were pretty much a brand new department two years ago um so very few of us have actually done the whole year there yet since the pandemic obviously when <laughs> school's been played not completely fulfilled a whole year a full year yet um and certainly over the last two years I mean you know I can only speak for the last two years really we've had lots of girls coming out to play for you know playing their teams or they might get through a half term and they've been doing games and then suddenly they've not been coming to extracurricular but suddenly you get a knock on the door can I come and join um which I take as a huge credit to my department for being so positive and that we're, you know, we're encouraging girls to want to come and join the extracurricular. Um, so I'd say that yeah, I'd like to think that the overall view is very much that, you know, there's access for sport and, you know, hopefully when we get back to, back to September this year, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be back to normal and we can actually instigate the other things I wanted to do, which I wanted to do last September, but obviously with the restrictions in place, we couldn't. So, you know, introducing biathlon, um you know we're a good swimming school we're a good cross-country school it's getting those things back on the, on the you know on the, on the map and really pushing the girls that we know that want to do it and making it more accessible for them badminton is a big thing that we want to push as well so it's just bringing in different things so it's not just your lacrosse netballers there's more more to it um so i think yeah i'd like to think the view is quite positive mm. um, and what kinds of experiences did you have before this school well, I've been a director of sport in three other schools. Um, so this this is my third girls' school. Um, I was director of sport. Oh, I lost you. I lost you for a moment there. I thought I thought I did lose you actually, so yeah. I sort of hesitated so in what I was saying. Yeah, you you got to um, that you were direct. This is your third directorship in a girls' so it's, school. It's, I've done it in three other schools. This is my fourth fourth director of sport fourth. role. Um, but I was just saying that I was um, I've worked in two other girls' schools as a director of sport, and I was at a co-ed school, um, a large uh, co-ed school um, as director of sport as well. I was there for six years. Um, and I was, I was saying, I don't know if you heard me say, but I was just saying the difference, obviously, you know, obviously working in a single sex school is you just have your one, you know, your one gender. Um, 
and I mean, I, yeah, the, I mean, the co-ed environment is different. Um, it, it's, it's quite nice working with, you know, the guys and seeing what the boys do and, you know, how they focus on things. So they do tend to seem to work slightly different to the females. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love what I do. I wouldn't, wouldn't be doing it otherwise. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when did you start coaching then? Um, I, my coaching career started oh, a long time ago. I, I moved, I worked down in Somerset for a few years and then I moved back up to, I moved to Kingston and I started coaching in a Middlesex netball programme. Um, that must have been 2005, so quite a while ago. Um, and I was in the Middlesex like Satellite and County Academy. So I, I led, led those programmes. And then I got involved in the Re London Southeast Regional Academy. Um, and then after that, I knew, alongside that, I then took on, I, when I moved to my co-ed school, I picked up the Essex Met um, Satellite and County Academy stuff. And I was still doing a little bit of the Regional Academy. And then I picked up um, a head coach role at a, a regional team in Essex. And from there, I mean, I was still playing as well. I'm still still playing now, even, well, I say now, obviously at the moment, not, not so much because of the pandemic, but um, I then picked up um, assistant coaching with the age groups at Surrey Storm. Yeah. That was about five, six years ago now. And then that evolved into being the um, Surrey Storm Super League um, assistant coach. And this is my fourth season of doing that, so um, which I love. And, you know, I think obviously last year was a real shame because I think we got to five games in and then they obviously cancelled the Super League um, because of COVID. Um, so it's been so great to be able to do, you know, what we've been able to do this year. Yeah. And the way it's been run by England Netball's just, you know, everyone's been sort of saying how brilliant it's been organised. Um, and it, it's been brilliant. It's been really exciting. So, and so, yeah, so it's been quite a long time I've been coaching for now, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, it has, it has. So what, what's, your, what's your role then as the, as the assistant? Um, well, Mickey Austin, I'm not sure if you know her, she's the head coach, um, director of netball at Surrey Storm. And I'm one of two assistant coaches, myself and Emily, um, are the two assistant coaches. And my, my role tends to be of defensive, defensive end. And Emily is more the attack and obviously Mickey oversees the whole programme. So I, um, so on match days, when it comes to quarter times, half times, I go and work with the defence unit um, and, and, and basically just assist the head coach in what she's doing because she's a player coach as well. So when she's on the court, mm -hmm. myself and Emily sort of take on the head coach role, make the decisions, um, which is nerve wracking as well as exciting um, because, you know, obviously you want to do the best for the team and yeah it's 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 a very demanding role but it's one which it challenges you and you know it's it's great to be able to do that um yeah uh, it's, as i say it's been great fun so far this year so what, what will be the most challenging aspects of that of that role um well, as the assistant coach yeah i mean it's it's quite unique in as much as you just described there how you know, during the game, you then take over this joint headship, which then there's always a, there's a constant dynamic going on, isn't there? And and, and I suppose second guessing yeah. in what's a fast moving game. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I take confidence in the fact that the three of us work really well together. Um, you know, we we all obviously talk about the game 
during the week leading up to the match, you know, we'll talk about it obviously prior to going on, you know, going on the court, you know, Mickey sometimes doesn't start herself. So she's there with us, you know, during the first quarter or so. And if she, you know, if, if we deem that she should go on, then obviously that's when Emily and I take over. Um, she started the last few matches. So Emily, Emily and I get on really well. You know, we, it's, it's quite nice where, you know, we challenge each other as well, because if you're mm. seeing something, it's like, do you think we should do this? It's like, tell me why you think you should do that. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like keeps you on your feet, but as well as, you know, making the, I think hopefully making the right decisions. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge is if we make that decision, it, you know, it could go either way. But then yeah. it's also knowing that if it, if obviously it works out, brilliant. If it doesn't, well, you've got a couple of other subs that you, you kind of change it back to how it was and give that player a break for five minutes or a quarter or however long it is. Let them see the game, put them back on. Because sometimes you've got to have that deal breaker that can just change the game slightly and then you can put them back on. And that's not, it's not, you know, it's not a negative. It's sometimes quite a positive thing to do. So, um, but it's just nice knowing that, you know, decisions, we, there's, there's no blame culture. So it's not, all oh, you said this, so we did that. It's very much, this is what we're going to do. So we work together. Yeah. So what kinds of things do you do as a, as a three and then also as a, as a, as a squad to, I mean, you mentioned the no blame culture. So what kinds of things do you do outside of the game time that, that sort of fosters that way that you can support each other? Um, I mean, you know, again, there's a lot of honest conversations at training. Um, you know, we will we'll meet prior to training sessions. We'll talk about, you know, the game that we had before, the game that we've got ahead, you know, coming ahead of us. Um, you know, we sort of, as, as just three coaches, we take responsibility. As I said, I'm a defence coach, so I'll take responsibility for the defence unit. We set targets for the girls. We have conversations. Um, so they've got some sort of angle for their, you know, the aim for their week. Um, I mean, prior to this season, we, um, we would always do sort of, you know, lots of team building things. So we'd go outside and do things like that. And obviously, we, we're not in a position to be able to do that as much as we would normally do. Um, but there's certainly like fun games and, you know, sort of trying to take, not take them out of netball as such, but sort of just having it more, you know, again, that fun aspect of, you know, playing silly games or what have you. And, you know, we've been, so we've been up in Wakefield with our matches. So we're staying in, in a hotel um, where all the franchises are staying. We've got a room, you know, we can watch TV, we can chat, we can do those sorts of things where it's not just about netball. Yeah. So it's, it sort of takes off that element of, you know, like when, you know, you know there's a time and a place for when you've got your netball hat on. Um, so it's quite nice that we've got that opportunity to be in an environment where we can sit, <clears throat> relax, chat, and then go in the next day with our game, game plan. Yeah. Do you, do you get much time with, with individual players to, to talk about obviously netball-related stuff, but then also other things that might crop up that might affect their game? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, we've all got each other's phone numbers. Um, we've got ability to, you know, meet prior to training. Um, and as I said, where we've been traveling up to Wakefield, we've got the time, you know, we've got often, you know, obviously socially distanced with our masks on, we can go and sit and, you know, chat to each other. Um, or we can, you know, again, because I mean, we've got a double header this weekend, we'll go up Saturday morning, come back Sunday evening. So we've got a lot of time where we can go and have those conversations um, or chats in general. But yeah, usually, you know, the players, you know, they're, they're really good at sort of 
sending messages or asking for a chat. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, it feels like a nice, confident place to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, many, many years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was now. Um, I went and did some, some physio work with the Surrey team. I'm pretty sure it was the Surrey team. I can't remember which team it was. I'm pretty sure they were adults, though. Um, and I think they wore red then because they wear blue, light blue now, don't they? A bit like the Surrey cricketers. Yeah, they've, I think they've always been um, blue, duck egg blue. Um, oh, maybe, maybe they were. Maybe. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Surrey. Yeah. But anyway, there was, there, was a great, there was a great vibe. And, and, but just looking back to then and then now and how, you know, netball is much more represented on TV. You're seeing it on TV. So what you know? This is these are big changes. Are you feeling that through, let's say, women's sport? The fact that there's there's so much more coverage now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I, I was sat with my laptop plugged into my TV last night watching the the two games that are on. Um, and on Sunday, I think there were four games. Which again, I sat and uh, watched it. And and my partner's, you know, he gets quite involved, and you know, he'll be like, "Oh, is that such and such?" and thinks he knows everybody as he does. Um, but um, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously we know, we know obviously during this pandemic that women's sport has suffered. Um, and I think that's where, you know, I, I feel personally delighted that, you know, there is access to watching the games. Um, okay, you know, it's on Sky and, and people have to pay for that, but you can also access it through Sky YouTube, which is accessible for anybody. So, you know, I think the viewing figures have been pretty good. Um, I think it was disappointing that we didn't get to have the women's Six Nations live on TV at the weekend. I think that was a you know really disappointing moment for quite a lot of us, you know, sporty females, um, you know, just just sporty people in general. Um, you know, I think it was a, a missed missed opportunity that they had for that. Um, and you know, hopefully one day we'll have you know netball on the mainstream TV, um, like you do with some of the other sports that you get. Um, you know, it'd be nice nice to see a few more female sports on tv and, and more accessible but yeah i mean i certainly feel it is really great that we've got you know netball where it is on the, on the, you know on the tv where we can view it and you know i certainly sell that to the students at school and say you know netball's on the tv make sure you watch it um i've had some good feedback from parents actually saying that they've been plugged in watching which is great yeah yeah i mean even on um you know on bbc now when they do the sport on on breakfast they'll they'll often show you know, some footage of, I mean, often it's football, isn't it? And then yeah. sometimes a bit of rugby. Um, yeah, I think that's disappointing that they don't, haven't still quite got it where they're just commenting on results, for instance, you know, just sort of starting to bring that in, in in terms of on a Sunday night or a Monday night when there's been fixtures, you know, you know, and in the Women's Netball Super League, you know, this team won, you know, whatever it is. Um and I think that's, that's again, a bit of a trick they're missing. And it's been great to see. I know that they had some, I think it was ITV had um, Eclipse netball team on the other week, sort of coming out of COVID and how they were doing that. And I think they just need to do more of it because, you know, yes, football's one of our main sports, but netball is one of the biggest played women's sports. So, you know, let's, let's get our minds around that and actually celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. In, I mean, in the the world of women's sport, who, who's interesting to you at the moment? Um, who is interesting to me? I mean, you know, obviously, I, I follow 
Harlequins women train up at the sports park where um, where we train. So quite often you'll drive past and see the girls out out training. So um, it's you know I sort of been enjoying and I guess you know them back out playing this last weekend weekend before. It's, it's been great that they've been you know I think I've followed that quite a bit just in terms of it. It's such a growing sport for women. Um, I have my eyes, as I said earlier, on you know on the Spurs football women's football team as well, seeing how they're doing. Um, and more so, I think when when we had the American, I forget what her name is now, um, when she came over, I think she's gone back again now. But that was really exciting, you know, to have such a prolific American footballer come over um, and sort of be part of a, a team that I support anyway. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean. I've always been a big fan of tennis as well and sort of watching, you know, I know that's sort of been a bit up and down with, you know, the, the pandemic as well. Um, but yeah, I think just, just in general, just all women's sport, just, you know, there's no one in particular, there's nothing in particular. It's just sort of keeping tabs on what is being able to be played and, you know, and sort of supporting it. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've got to assume that, you know, in the coming months that, that things are going to get back to, you know, more to what we, are used to um, in terms of the opportunities and, um, and people getting and getting out there. Um, I mean, you you take a, a very positive approach to to all of this, and, and it, you know it's very clear you're looking for the you know the potential, the the opportunities, the strengths, all that kind of thing. So, I mean, going, casting your mind back, who who's inspired you? Where do you think you've got this approach from? So probably one of my PE teachers um, when I was at school, um, she, you know, she sort of guided me. I think I went to the same university here in the end because she guided me to where to go. And one of her lecturers was actually one of my lecturers in the end. Um, and I think, you know, it wasn't anything in particular that she did physically um, in terms of sport. It was more that it was her approach to it. And, you know, as I said, like, my mum, bless her, she was never particularly sporty. I mean, she ended up being a really good swimmer, but, um, you know, I, I never sort of had her as my inspiration for sport. She was inspirational in many other ways, but, um, you know, looking at, I just just took it on my own back. I just wanted to go and play rounders. I wanted to go and do athletics. I wanted to go and play hockey. I don't know where that motivation or drive, I genuinely don't know where it came from um, because, you know, that was back in sort of mid, late 80s when I was a, a young person. And you know, women's sports still wasn't a massive feature then. So, you know, I think I took it from friends. I took it from my PE teacher. When I went to university, I was obviously surrounded by lots of sporty women. Um, and, and I think it just went from there, really. So I guess, I, again, sort of thinking about this recently, it's, it all started quite late in my late teens when I went to uni, which for quite a lot of people, that would deem to be quite late nowadays because a lot of kids are playing sport in their sort of 10, 11, 12 year olds. They're going into county academies or whatever it might be at 13, 14, 15. I missed all of that. So, you know, it's always the wonder what would have happened if I'd have been, you know, in this era, if I'd have had these yeah. opportunities at a younger age. Um, but, you know, I feel extremely privileged and grateful to be where I am because I've worked blooming hard for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been surrounded by really positive, brilliant people. Um, which I think has got to me, got me to where I am. And I'm still aspirational, visionary in terms of what I want to do and what I want to achieve. So it carries on. Yeah. So what, 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 what does that look like then? Tell us your dream. <laughs> uh, take over the world. Um, no. Um, oh, crikey. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I have targets for my professional self in terms of work, you know, 
I'd love to go off, you know, to carry on. I mean, I love working at the school I'm working at, you know, to be a senior leader at that school would be amazing. Um, I, you know, with netball, um, you know, I love doing what I'm doing as the assistant coach. I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's really, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy working with the team. You know, I enjoy sort of delivering what I can deliver, the opportunities that I get given there. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what comes. Um, but, it's, you know, it's just exciting time. I mean, I say it's exciting time. It's been really difficult times for everybody. Mm. Um, so I, feel, I've, I have felt quite lucky that I've had this outlet with sport um, where lots of people haven't so you know I feel lucky for that I feel disappointed for people that haven't been able to do what they wanted to do um, and yeah I think it's been great you know the things that you you know you've been doing other things that I've seen on, on social media for sport and trying to inspire us and keeping us you know slightly in touch with things has been has been also a bit of a savior so you know credit to everybody who's been doing that yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's just not been easy but look you know the, the sun's out it's going to get better yeah. we're allowed to start doing things more and more so fingers crossed absolutely your your diary must um be very full from what you've been saying um so i'm i'm wondering then how you look after yourself <laughs> um yeah that's just quite a good question actually um I mean, as I said, I've just moved into a new house and that's, as I think most people will say, it's one of the most stressful things you can do. <laughs> um, so I'm feeling, I am feeling pretty, pretty tired at the moment. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not great at looking after myself sometimes. I know sleep is absolutely, you know, one of the best things you can do. I'm just not the best sleeper and I get quite frustrated with that. And it's always trying to find ways of making myself sleep better. Um, you know, I sort of got into a really good routine of going to bed at a certain time and setting my alarm for a certain time. So I was getting into a really good routine, but this move and everything sort of put that out of kilter. So I've got to get that back. Um, but I think I'm, I'm, I am a person of routine. So, you know, when I know I've got my Tuesday, Thursday nights training, um, I know I've got my Monday and Wednesday nights free. Um, you know, I try and get out and go running two or three times a week, do my own personal sort of fitness in, in the garden where I can. Um, and I try and eat as well, you know, try and eat sort of regular meals so I'm quite you know I'm pretty good at looking after myself in that respect but I think when when it comes down to not having had a good night's sleep it's always the next day where I'm thinking I didn't sleep very well and I've got to change that mindset that I'm not worrying about it because I think that's you know having read a bit up about it I think that's the problem um so yeah so I think diaries are a good thing as well <laughs> using your phone diary using you know sort of making sure I've got everything in order um helped me to say habit habit you know routine habits and stuff like that really helped me so uh, you know self-caring is is a tricky subject for for a lot of people and you know you obviously work in a you know a full-on environment in a school where you know you you can't sort of sit behind a screen necessarily and and pretend you're working for 10 minutes while you recuperate you know as if yeah. you're in other you know some places there's opportunities to do that or just sort of nip off for a bit you have your break times and lunch times and after school but often that's filled with extracurricular or team practice that that kind of thing um is is self-care and, and and particularly in sport because we know the importance of recovery is that something you instill in the people that you work with the the kids and and the um and in with surrey yeah i think so i mean i'm you know i'd like to think you know if i've got a member of staff at work who you know is still there 
beyond the time I'm going to go home, then I'm sort of like, look, this can wait till tomorrow, go home. You know, I've got a couple of people in the team who have got families and, you know, it's like you've got children at home, go home. This just can wait. Mm. Um, so I'd like to think I'm, I'm, you know, quite good at that. I don't, you know, I don't like seeing people still in the office past a certain hour of the day. Um, and, you know, I try and teach myself that as well. So if I haven't got anything, go home. Um, and, you know, obviously, again, it's being mindful that some people would probably rather be in the office than be at home. So it's not being too sort of, you know, sort of um, dictator or, or in that way. But it's, you know, if people feel they have to be, you know, and I know what I'm like. I can sometimes feel I've got to be seen to be here. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job, yeah. um, which is, you know, silly way to look at it. Um, but I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, sorry, Storm. And even with the students at school, it, it is very much about looking after them because, you know, people, we all have things going on in our lives. You know, some are public, some aren't. And it's a case of just, you know, I'd like to think with being a you know, head of department in particular, I get to know my staff. And, you know, if I know that something that's, you know, not, you know, not working for them, I look after them. No one else has to know about it. But, you know, it's, it's getting to know your staff, getting to know what's going on so that you know you can look after them. And I think that's really, really important. It's the same with any of your students or obviously, um, you know, if you're working with teams outside of school, if if people are turning up to training and they're tired or they're grouchy or they're biting back on something which is out of character, you know something's not right. Yeah. And it's not pushing that and it's not, you know, sort of, um, you know, making them sort of like, a, you know, a, a, what's the word, um, you know, a, a, you know, an example of something. It's a case of, I'm not going to not ignore it, but I'm just going to make sure I look, look out for it and look after that person because you just don't know what, what's going on and what triggers are happening for them. So I think that's really important to be, to know, you know, know people. Yeah. Not, not obviously every detail, but in terms of if something's happening, it's good to know, you know, that you're looking after people. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Great. Well, listen, it's been fantastic to chat and hear a bit about your world and what you're up to. Um, now, I know that you're on you're on LinkedIn and you, you've written a few blogs and other bits and bobs. If, if people want to sort of learn about what you're up to, what the Surrey netballers are doing, where, where can they go to find all of that? Well, on Twitter and Instagram, and I think they've got a Facebook page, you've got um, at, at Surrey Storm. Um, there's the at Surrey Storm talent as well, which is for our, our younger athletes. They, they do a cracking amount of work. And, you know, obviously they've been one of the groups affected by the pandemic where they've not been able to train. So, you're, you know, there's lots of brilliant posts that they put out there. And obviously you can follow, follow those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously the best place for anything nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> Twitter's my educational feed at the moment. So, um, so yeah, so certainly on there. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll, I'll put all those links on the on the page so people can. Uh, yeah, do that'd be great. And um, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. All. Fantastic. Well, now you no can go and, um, enjoy your your week and hopefully get a bit of a bit of sunshine. Yes, yes, and get in a breeze break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Richmond. Right. Nice to see you. Bye. And you take. Bye.